As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. There's no crying in baseball! I ate his liver with some father beans. I skinned. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change! And welcome to another episode of Your Next Favorite Movie. I am your host, Josh G. And today I am joined by one of the hosts of the Middle Class Film Class podcast. Please welcome Pete to the show. How's it going? How are you doing, Josh and listeners? Can't complain. So why don't you tell everyone about your podcast? Oh, okay. Um, so our podcast is called Middle Class Film Class. It's hosted by myself, Joseph, and Tyler. The three of us were close friends. We've been... Uh, talk about movies on the show for a little over two years now and um we release twice a week mondays and wednesdays monday episode is news and review um news and like we call it gab and chatter and um we just talk about weekly movie news and then at the end of the episode we give all three of us give streaming recommendations for free streaming whatever if you have a service you know for showtime uh showtime app hulu netflix amazon and then the second half of the week we do a deep dive review chosen at random by the Wheel of Destiny. And it's basically just a spinning wheel. The three of us have some picks on there and we have some fan picks on there. So it's it's a good time. It's pretty funny. We record it live like it's a radio show um, and we do a lot of uh, listener interaction. So if you have an urge to get on air, put your, put your uh, movie on the fan list and if it gets picked, we usually will offer to call call the guest and have them or call the listener and have them on the show, talk about their movie for a little bit and we read listener emails on air. It's, it's a good time. It's really fun. Awesome. Sounds awesome. So after you finish this episode, everybody go check them out. Yeah, thanks. Let's dive into your movie going back to 2014. And this is Whiplash. All right, Whiplash. Five, six, and I push people beyond what's expected of them. Why would you let him get away with what he did to you? Because I want to be great. I can cut you anytime I want. You would have cut me by now. Try me! There are no two words in the English language more harmful than good job. Whiplash, rated R. Yes, Whiplash, I love it. I love it. This actually just recently has been dethroned my favorite movie. For the longest time, I would, I would, I will classify There Will Be Blood as my favorite movie, which I will always love. It's so heart wrenching, uh, but Whiplash. Uh, I've I've booted off. There will be blood. Paul Thomas Anderson can take a hike. And now it's um, time for Whiplash. I love it. All right. So when did you first see Whiplash? I didn't see it in theaters. I didn't. I didn't. I. It's probably like it probably had to have been a couple years later. So probably like 2017 or so. It wasn't really on my radar. I didn't really know like a whole lot about uh, Damien Chazelle, and I don't think a whole lot of people did back then. But I heard it talked about on a couple of different um, film podcasts and uh, rave reviews from some people. And I, I, it sounded like up my alley. I really like um, good jazz music. And if you don't know what Whiplash is, it's a story of a freshman year, um, essentially university student going to a music conservatory, the Schaefer Music Conservatory. And he's wants to be a jazz drummer. And he's played by Miles Teller playing Andrew Neiman, the character. And his abusive Bobby Knight like um, <laughs> teacher, music teacher, jazz teacher, uh, is played by J.K. Simmons. 
And the thing that the thing that struck me is was for one, I'd never known J.K. Simmons as a that type of role before, and he's yoked, he, he's bulging with old man muscles, <laughs> vein, veiny and vascular, and the whole movie is 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 like injected throughout as part of the story this fantastic soundtrack so a, a mediocre movie can be made much better by a great soundtrack or great sound quality and this is already a great movie with a fantastic soundtrack and amazing sound quality and it's part of the story and it just it hit every checked every box for me so all right so so do you have like you have any kind of background in music yeah i've played i played um all the way through from seventh I guess it was like fifth grade all the way till I graduated high school, played trombone. So I, I played in a number of jazz bands, jazz ensembles, uh, orchestras, things like that. And I really do. I really, really do love jazz music. And, and I think it gets, it gets kind of a bad rap just because some people just think jazz is scatting, you know, it's just like improv. And that is a big part of certain parts of jazz, but classic big band stuff, which is, I mean, all, Whiplash is the name of a song. It's a classic jazz song, a big band standard. But yeah, I, I played it before. I play guitar now. I don't. I can. I couldn't tell you what happened to my trombone. I've moved so many times. It's not a small thing to lose, but somehow I lost it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's part of why I stayed away from it for a while because I'm not into music like that, and I didn't think mm. I would connect to it. But I still got pulled into just the story by itself, and like you say, even the music's great. So. How did you just recently watch it for the first time? Uh, no, it was probably it might have been around the same time as you because what it was was I have a friend who is into music and he mm. told me I should watch it. And we started working together right when it came out, actually. So it was probably it might have been 2016, 2017. It was around that same time, nice. same time frame. Nice. Cool. So, what what is it about this? How did what is it that made it dethrone There Will Be Blood? Like, what is it that put it over that hump? <laughs> I think for one, I think I was just, uh, I think I was just tired of talking about Deanna Day Lewis and this, <laughs> this strange bromance for him. That's um, he's, I, I, he's one of these uh, actors that it's almost like he can do no wrong in my eyes. And, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's really hard. It's almost like asking someone what your favorite song is. That's, it's a really hard thing to say, but time and time again, when I have, I, I don't know what to watch and it's, mid-afternoon or early in the morning and my girlfriend's not not there because she sleeps in i might usually up quite a bit before her and i cannot listen to this or watch this movie without the volume all the way up so i don't i don't usually watch it early in the morning if she's asleep um because she won't be asleep for very long but i find myself just sticking whiplash on and i can literally walk around the house and do chores while it's playing because the soundtrack's so good um you could sit down and have a dedicated rewatch like in every time Every time the climax hits, I get choked up and emotional. Every time. I mean, even thinking about it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Got that deep personal connection. So I like that. Yeah. All right. So, well, you talked about what it was about. So we'll move on to the next part. Mm -hmm. And I know this is something that you wouldn't want to see, but what would, where would you take a sequel if it happened? Okay. So the only sequel that I could possibly see happening would be like, 40 years down the road and Fletcher, who is JK Simmons character is an old man. He's like in a rest home. And Andrew is now, uh, he's now the teacher and he's chasing his own white whale, which would be his 
his role in the first one, it would essentially, you would see the fruits of Fletcher's labor. And I have the, the movie is so complicated because you, you don't, you, you don't like Fletcher. You don't like JK Simmons character. The teacher is physically abusive, hundred percent mentally abusive. And not only just to, to Neiman, but also to the other people in the band. And he, he, he says he's doing this in, as a reason to coax greatness out of him. Right. And if that's, if that's true, why is he doing it to everybody? You know, every single person in that band is getting completely abused uh, mentally. Um, and there is a, a, a very real like thought at the end where he keeps, he, they're having a, like a heart to heart. They're having a conversation. And he says, you know, Charlie Parker wouldn't be Charlie Parker unless, you know, whoever threw the symbol at his head and, you know, would the, 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 the greatest great will never be dissuaded. That's what makes them great. So I'm only pushing them to make them better. And if you push the person away and they go away, they were, they were never destined to be one of the greats. So essentially he's almost like saying, I'm going to ruin a whole generation of people to find the one great one. But is is that a good thing ultimately, or is that a bad thing? Would we ever have, you know, a Tiger Woods if his dad hadn't rode him, you know, like a rented mule from age five on, you know, do, or does it matter that we don't have a Tiger Woods, you know, right. <laughs> ultimately is that, is that a, a net negative for the world? So it's, there's a really interesting idea there. And there's one single line that's summed up in the, at the very end that he says uh, that the two most dangerous words are in the English language are good job. And that sums up, Fletcher's teaching style and motivation style. He, he will not tell you you're doing a good job. He'll tell you you're a piece of shit yeah. and, you, and you, and you can only do better. You've never done good enough and you can only do better. So I like, I, I want to see the artist's interpretation, Chazelle's interpretation of Neiman as an adult. Now doing that to a younger generation and you don't have the backstory of Fletcher, but you do have the backstory of Neiman. So if he's the teacher, does he pull back in certain situations? You know, there's a lot of nuance that I think that could be done there, or you could go in a completely different direction. Like, um, have you seen the perfection? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So you could go in a completely different direction, whiplash to electric boogaloo. And it could be, <laughs> it could be like the perfection where it becomes like a revenge piece. Right. Um, and Neiman is, is ties up Fletcher somewhere down the road and his, his life is in a shambles and he, does an audition type thing to him. <laughs> yeah. That, now that movie had a lot of twists and turns in it. Oh, the perfection or, or audition? The perfection. I guess they both did now that I think about it. Well, yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I've seen audition as well. And yeah. Oh, that's, that a, that, that's a tough one. But please never do, don't do a sequel ever. It's a, it's a perfect piece. It's done. That completely agreed. So this next one, uh, it's, it's always hard with these movies that aren't even that old, right? <laughs> yeah talk about the remake territory because yes. obviously it's not like you'd want to take any of these actors out and put someone else in their role because mm -hmm. i think everybody did perfect in this movie so yeah they all played their part just right even paul riser <laughs> exactly <laughs> well so. let me see let me see so if we were going to recast the movie like do a remake of it only so many years later you know 10 years later or whatever right I think that Fletcher would need to be someone who is really charismatic, but also intimidating. Um, I think that Gary Oldman would do well. I think Keith David would do well. Even uh, Clancy Brown, which at the time when you and I 
got this whole thing set up. The new season of Dexter hadn't started yet. And Clancy Brown was not, I don't think a lot of people think of him as a bad guy, even though he's, he was the piece of shit parole off or could uh, I was saying uh, correctional officer in Shawshank. Yeah. <laughs> but pe- I don't think people really forget. They forget that quite a bit. All they think of him is uh, Mr. Krabs. Right. Um, but so yeah, Clancy Brown would be really good. And I've been seeing him playing this uh, douchebag in uh, Dexter. Cause my girlfriend loves Dexter um, lately. And I think he would do good. Even Ron, Ron Perlman, maybe in like a, like a bowler hat, like, like, <laughs> like uh, the hat that Brian Cranston wears in Breaking Bad. But I think that ultimately the best pick was going to be, would be Christian Bale. But, th- but that's, would actually be uh, for, for Neiman. <laughs> oh. I want him, I want him to be Andrew Neiman. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> for, for Neiman, I think, I think that um, my instinct would be that I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't want to see, I want someone that I wouldn't mind see like getting slapped around, maybe like a Timothy Chalamet or a Will Poulter. Uh, he's got a slappable face. <laughs> Uh, or per- Barry Keegan, uh, do you know you know him? He's in uh, he's in um, Killing of a Sacred Deer. He was the creepy kid. I haven't um, watched that movie. I've heard okay. of it, but I haven't watched that one. Have you seen The Green Knight? Nope. Okay, so he plays the he plays like a little mischievous uh, kid that essentially robs the Green Knight. In that, okay. he's also he's a, he's a really specific character actor. Um, look him up when you get a chance. He's a Brit- British fella, um, but. Uh, they really need to be likable um, more than anything. Not necessarily you, you don't want to see him beat up, but you don't mind. So I think the likability, um, he almost has to be to the point that you're surprised when he has the almost like sociopathic theories that come out, like the way he addresses his girlfriend, that whole right. conversation. You, yeah. you, you have to be like, be like, okay, well, I could see that coming. So I think maybe Jacob Tremblay would do well. He's going to be a little bit older soon. So I think maybe once he hits a high school age, that might, that might work um, from good boys. Gaten Matarazzo, the kid from du- uh, Dustin from Stranger Things. Okay. Yeah. I think he'd do good. Or in a gender swap, uh, Elsie El- Fisher from the girl from eighth grade. I was uh, just talking about that movie. Oh, really? Night. Last night. Yes. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. That would be, that would be really interesting to see an abusive male instructor with a female um, student and w- if that would change the concept at all but again please don't ever remake this no that, <laughs> i think we're agreed there josh don't do it oh, I, luckily i have no power it, it's it's <laughs> funny the amount of comments that i've gotten on these remake part of this yeah like i literally put it out on one of them i forgot and someone on instagram was like saying see they're posting about it here too i told you it's real I was like no 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 Hold on. <laughs> it's a hot insider scoop <laughs> i have no power i have no power <laughs> you have no power over here <laughs> um yeah so i think i think those those would be my my specific um thoughts that are you forced me to think which i never wanted to think <laughs> That's why I do it because every time people are like, well, what'd you think? I was like, no, 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 I don't think about this. Yeah, I'm, that's why I'm on this side of the table. Yeah, you're just the provocateur. There you go. So let's do that. One final pitch for someone who maybe isn't sold on watching this yet. Give that final yeah. pitch. So I think everybody can understand the idea of being pushed to your limits for greatness. You know, we do it every day for multiple reasons. You, you, Extend yourself beyond your comfort level for the ones that you love, the people that you care about, the, you know, 
family and close friends. You do so for your work, you know, to, in order to get yourself to a better level, make more money, provide for your family, all that stuff. We all do things out of our comfort zone. But this movie explores the idea of doing exactly that for eternal greatness. And essentially, like you and I may not, or, you know, you may not know who Charlie Parker is um, or Buddy Rich, but, you know, because you're not in the jazz world, but they are eternal greats in the jazz world, right? They're like, you've heard of Miles Davis. Uh, he's, he's transcends all, everybody knows Miles Davis. <laughs> but essentially this is a character study and someone who wants that type of great eternal greatness, like forever will be recognized. And he specifically comments that he has no need for friends because friends have no purpose. And it, it's really hard to connect with that character, but Damien Chazelle has a really, I mean, he forces you to connect with him. You know, he, he's a very relatable and likable guy until he says something like that. Like, I don't have any friends and I have, I have no need for friends. Why do I need friends? You know, they just, they're just going to take me off of my, off of my course or, or whatever. And it, it also explores that from the perspective of somebody who wants to nurture that out of you and how far is too far to be pushed. And I think everybody has related, can relate to a teacher that's done that or, or a, a parent, a mother or father who's done that. I know when I was, when I was young and I was in little league baseball, um, I was afraid of the ball when I was really young, I was afraid to get hit, get hit by the ball every time someone threw it at me. Right. Just kind of this human reaction. So, and I was to prevent that, to alleviate that my father had this great uh, way of uh, immersion therapy where he, we put um, the catcher's gear on, you know, full body suit, arm pads, face mask, leg guard, leg guards, everything. So you're completely protected. And he would put me up against the fence and, have me put my arms out like wide, like a, like a T pose and then throw balls at me and tell me not to catch them. Just hit me in the chest and the face and stuff with all the guard on. So you don't get hurt. And eventually you, it was, it worked. And after a couple of days of that, you never are afraid of the ball again. And I appreciate that. Fletcher does that to an extreme level <laughs> by a thousand. So, you know, I think everybody can relate to that on some level, but there is an emotional component to the final solo scene. Um, and there's one specific shot that is my favorite shot and one of my favorite shots in all of cinema is when Neiman, and I won't spoil it. This movie's kind of hard to spoil, but I won't really get into the ending too much, but <clears throat> Neiman's doing his final solo and his father's already left the building and he comes back when he hears his son playing and he's standing at the back of the auditorium at the double doors from the entrance, from the lobby to the auditorium. And he's looking through those double doors at his son and seeing what he's capable of that he never thought he was capable of. And you see the look on his face of almost like dread and regret and fear and like concern and love all at the same time as he's just going wild on the set. And it's like, gives me goosebumps every time it's so damn good. So the other, the other pitch for people who may be on the fence or it doesn't sound like up their alley, you know, if you like La La Land, watch this. This is the prequel to this. You know, this not not a direct story wise, but Damien Chazelle is going to be considered one of the great filmmakers of our generation. And this is really early in his career. And you should you should pay attention to those because it's, it's watching the arc of these filmmakers is a really cool thing. All right. Sounds good. So I think that's pretty much going to wrap it up. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you and the podcast? 
Um, you can follow us on Facebook, the podcast, uh, just facebook.com slash MCFC podcast. Um, send us an email if you want uh, information about the show, or you can just hit the website up. It's uh, mcfcpodcast.com. And we have on social media, we're podcast MCFC on Twitter. Um, Instagram is middle class film class. Couldn't get all three of them the same. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, look, look for me on Twitter. I'm uh, at it's. Uh, what is it at the real Pete? I think something like that. <laughs> I don't even know my Instagram. I don't even know my Twitter handle, but uh, look at, uh, look at Josh's page and then you'll find me there. There you go. And uh, yes, I am on Twitter and Instagram at YNF movie pod on both. Cause I wanted to keep it easy. <laughs> Available wherever you get your podcasts, including on YouTube and be sure to come back next week. I'll either be back with a different guest or be back with returning guest Chad and Chris, and we'll be doing a deep fry review because we're going back and forth this year. So till then, you guys take care, and I'll talk to you next time.